Blog Talk Radio. Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up a book, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind and your heart. For a fresh new start MJ Network will bring you there So let's talk about it When life and on the air Good evening everyone, this is Fran Lewis And I hope you're having a great night and we're going to see MJ Network, MJ in memory of my sister, Marsha Joyce. This is going to be really exciting. Welcome designer Howard Wiggins, who will share his creativity, career goals, and surprises in store as his direction changes on a new path. Hi, good evening, and how are you? <laughs> Doing great, Fran. How about you? Well, we got some pretty awful air quality here, thanks to Canada. Oh, uh- saw it on the news today it was horrible <laughs> it's it is horrible um and i i was out like early in the morning just a little bit with two masks and a pair of glasses because you can't oh you can't go outside yeah it's it's a little bit better now but hopefully what can i say it's not great yeah. so um, please share your inspiring journey growing up as the son of Little Roy Wiggins. Which um, stars did you meet and encounter? That sounds like fun. Oh, my goodness. I met several people. Uh, actually, a lot not from the country music business. I met Peggy Lee. Mm-hmm. I met Agnes Moorhead. Uh, we Ooh. met Andy Griffin. Andy Griffin came to our house and had dinner with us before he <gasps> made the movie No Time for Sergeant. And, this, uh-huh. and that movie led to Andy Griffin and uh, his career. So he originally started on the Grand Ole Opry. People don't know that, but he did. Oh, I love Andy Griffin. But Agnes Moorhead, I love her in Bewitched. She was cool. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, my God. That is, the only three people I ever met, that's the truth, is that we went to um country a long time ago, and the Tokens came, the singing group. And because uh-huh. because I because I had all my records, I loaned them my records for their performance at their show at the Concord, and all I got yeah. was a thank you and a card. Not much, <laughs> but I did say because <laughs> Mitch had a sore throat. So yeah, yeah. So why and of course, did you the biggest so, star I, I yeah. knew was Dolly Parton, of course. <gasps> Do- Dolly Parton. I actually kissed Dolly Parton when I was uh, younger. Actually, mm. I met her the first time. She came on the uh, into the business because my dad had grammar guitar back then, and mm. uh, he had given Porter and Dolly a grammar guitar, and they were filming the Porter Wagner show, and he took me to meet Dolly. And when I met Dolly, I just automatically fell in love with her. So for years, we met mm. backstage at the Grand Ole Opry because Deb was performing and she was performing, and we would talk. And I remember one conversation I had with her where she said, mm. Howard, uh, when my music career is over, I'm going to write children's books. And, of course, her She's career writing. never did get over, but she managed to work that into her career. So, But now she's gone rock. I even like her even better. 
Her new rock songs are great. <laughs> she's wrote, she's right. She wrote a book with James Patterson, and I was really upset because everybody sends me their books to review, and I didn't get that one. I really wanted oh, that. Oh no. Yeah. yeah, I felt so bad because great. he. Yeah, well, he writes. He has his own little brown whatever, and his publicist is not the best, so she doesn't send. And I figured maybe you know I would get it through Dolly, but who knows. But I've got tons, we tons more that I have inside. <laughs> yeah, yes. She's so multi-talented, and and the thing I've really yeah. uh, learned from her, that she knows who to trust and who not to trust, and she has that natural instinct of knowing who can help her, and, or or not really help her, but just who she can trust and who she can't trust. And I think that's a very good instinct to have. Yeah, she's she's class. I like Bob Ellie Harden. You, you don't hear anything yeah. bad about her. You just hear her, and you can listen to her all day. I know. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so tell us about your book. You wrote a book. How come I didn't? Wait up! Wait a minute! I'm skipping a sentence here. Tell us about your journey as an interior designer because I see all your designs on Facebook, and they're really they're different. Well, really I like different. to be different because to me. A true designer develops their own style. They don't follow the trends. Uh, mm. They listen to what their clients have, and they interpret it in a way that they will enjoy it. Uh, I have many uh, examples that I use when I sell furniture and stuff. Uh, one thing is that people make the same mistake over and over. And one mistake that people make is they have an idea of what they want before they shop. And you mm-hmm. say, well, why shouldn't I? And I use the comparison that, like, if you were uh, a woman and you were shopping for a red dress for uh, for an evening event, then when you go shopping, you're only looking at the red dress. There might have been a purple or a blue or some other beautiful mm-hmm. color that looks good on you, but you're not seeing it because you have in mind you want a red dress. The same thing's true when you shop. If you have mm-hmm. a notion of what you want, you're not being open to all the possibilities. So, well, I I agree with you, but then I don't. I go into a store and I just look and then go, I'll take that, I'll take that, I'll take that. I have no preconceived notion as to what I'm going to get. I, I just see something <laughs> and if I like it and I take it, it's just me. Well, you do, and if you've got a, a personal style that often will work mm-hmm. because. I've got things, you know, I've bought things since I was 16 years old, and I'm almost 70 now, and I have everything I've ever bought. I don't make mistakes, and they all work in the house somewhere, but when I buy it, I I don't buy it unless I know where I'm going to put it. I just don't buy things because I like them. I'll I'll see them, and I'll envision where I want to put them, and then Mm -hmm. I'll get them. But if I move things around, it works in many places, you know. That is, that's because you're creative. When it comes to buying clothes, I have an, I don't even, I just look in and go, well, okay, I like those leggings, I like those, because I'm little. And mm-hmm. I don't buy what everybody else does. And then I walk, it's funny, because I walk up to the sales department and she says, you look like a little kid. I said, then my mission has been accomplished. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, so, you know, you're absolutely right about that, because yeah. uh, I also use the comparison when people bring me um Instagram pictures or inspiring mm-hmm. pictures. And I'm saying that's like you looking at a magazine at the model and saying, I want that dress. That's not you, and that's not your home. 
It's not going to mm-hmm. look the same. It can look great on her and not on you. And it could look great in that picture, but not in your situation. You know. You, you're right. You're right. You see, my sister was very little. She can walk into a store and get anything. And then there was me. I weigh 100 pounds. I weighed 200 pounds at one point, And I go like, no matter what I'm going to put on, it's not going to look great. I have to lose weight. <laughs> Sometimes you just don't. You don't see yourself the way other people see you, and that, that makes it hard, too. And like you said, people don't see a room the way you see it. You visualize it in a certain way, and people see, you know, you can walk into a beautiful house and say, I want a house like that, and it just doesn't work for you. That's what's really... Right. Right. Well, you and I have something in common. I lost 100 pounds two years ago, and mm-hmm. and now I've been, been and maintained it for decades. So I didn't know you weighed 100 pounds heavier at one point. So. I lost, What happened was I was on a specific thing for whatever, and the, the medication caused me to gain weight. Oh, and okay. I was like, oh, my God, I'm never going to lose weight, ever. When I finally stopped taking it, because the doctor said, you're done, I said, Holy, thank God, it took forever to lose the weight. And I was retiring from teaching early because my mom had Alzheimer's, and my sister looked at me and said, you look like a fat couch potato. I said, you know, who asked you? When she died in 2010, I lost my worst critic. I was sorry that it was just strange things that happened. But, yeah, uh-huh. and I, I lost the weight. It took me forever. But I didn't do it with pills. I did it on a diet, 800 calories a day. Wow. Seriously. And you maintained that and stayed to that for the whole week, or did you have a cheat day? I maintained it for a very long time. I went from 200 and something to 150 to 100, 300, four pounds. That's on a fat day. Wow. And and I awesome. I watched myself, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I yeah, think people, hard. sometimes they, they get um, discouraged because they think that if they go to 800 calories a day, they'll knock it off just like that. Well, if no. You, You've got you've got to make a lifestyle change. It's not a period of time because, like you said, it takes a long time to get it off. It takes a very short time to get it back. <laughs> Tell me about it. Yeah. I, all I know is that what saved me is coffee. <clears throat> if I got hungry, I had coffee. Worked every time. Yeah, so. I, I do that now. I just started drinking coffee not too long <laughs> ago. I just probably about three years ago for the first time in my life. I tried coffee and I mm-hmm. liked it. Now I'm just like I like black else. coffee every single day. day. I had like only four. What have to say? Five? It's okay. Tell us about mm-hmm. interior design and your visions for your clients. Explain why your design. I mean, I look at your pictures and they're really like unique. All your colors are like gold and yellow and red, and they're just so different. And everything you have in your house is different. How do you decide that? And how do you decide a vision for somebody else? Well, it's easy. I uh, do what I call editing. Usually when you go into a – imagine going into somebody's closet. If you look in somebody's closet, there's certain clothes that are going to be classic and work with everything. And then there's going to be those trends that have come and gone that you get rid of. And then you can be creative and mix all different styles together. The same thing's true with a, with a home. When I go in, people have made some right decisions and they made a lot of wrong decisions. So you mm. get rid of the wrong and work around the right because uh, a lot of times people use <laughs> chopping as an emotional thing. You know, they're just enjoying the day. I do it myself mm-hmm. and, and go out and shop and lift your spirits and feel good or you're 
taken by a certain look in a store like I said, like that model in the picture. Oh, I like that. That's pretty. Come home and it's not really you. And it's not, you know, it looked good in the store, it didn't look good in your house, or you didn't have a place for it. Uh, the one thing I have noticed that most people do, and I, I wish they would change, is that when they buy a lamp particularly, that lamp is never going to go out of style. That lamp will work to the day they die. And yet they'll go and they'll buy an inexpensive uh, lamp, and they live with it forever, and they look at it every day. Think about it. If you're going to buy something that you're going to look at every single day of your life, and it's never going to wear out, you're never going to change it, I want the best, prettiest lamp I could possibly get because that's going to bring me joy every day. I have to agree with that because I went into a couple of stores to get a few new lamps when we moved here. And when we first moved, we were just moving fast because my mom had just died, and I said I just wanted to get out of the Bronx. And the the lamps that were here belonged to the guy that owned the apartment before me, the co-op. So I said, you know, for right now we'll leave them, but I'm not keeping them. And then oh, I actually went, and I went to some really, really nice high-end Lamp stores, and I got like four different lamps. They're so beautiful. I said, you know, you're right. I'd rather spend a little bit more in quality than something that's not even anything that I that matches anything. And of course, it has to match everything that's in your house. You can't just have a lamp Absolutely. that's just there. Absolutely. I'm getting better at this. And then people, uh, I can't tell you how many multi-million-dollar homes I go into, and they mm. have what they call the the uh, builder lights the one that the builder used when he built it. People, oh when they build those houses, they're getting the cheapest light fixture in the right size they possibly can mm. for that house. The smart thing for someone to do, and the first thing I would do if I moved into a new home, is I take down all those builder lights, go get me a higher quality light, store them somewhere, and then if I sell the house, I'll take mine with me because it matches my furniture, and go back and put those builder lights up when you sell the home. I agree with you. And not, and not live with it forever. Because to me, it's like it's like the uh, diamond in a, in a ring. The, the light fixture is really one of the prettiest things about a home. I mean, it's the jury to the, the whole ensemble, basically. I know. I said, but it's really funny that you should say that because... We lived here for quite a number of years, and all of a sudden my husband said something to me, and I said, you know, what took you so long to say that? The guy had um, painted the walls. I won't even tell you what color. And then when Jeff said to me, why don't we get these people to paint at least the living room and the dining room because I can't stand the smell of paint. And it's just so beautiful, the light gray, and it's it's gorgeous. The only thing I really want to do is paint this other room where I'm sitting right now but I can't stand the smell of paint. And then my computer's here. And this guy painted the walls green, actually. Seriously. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. ugly. I believe just, they make paint now that doesn't have smell. Yeah, it's, it's, it's awful. But but the problem was so, I had to move. I had to stay in my room for a week because I couldn't stand the smell of the paint in the living room. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I'm saying that there's paint, I believe, yeah. that doesn't have a smell. That you, that you yeah. There's there's some new quality paints that are out there. Uh, I just learned the other day. You know, I don't know mm. where you are, but and I think it's everywhere. All all these white homes going up where they're painting the brick. Is that true where you are too? Yeah, I saw them. 
Yeah, we're we're all over Nashville. Everywhere you go, you have white brick. And one of the designers says, you know why that is? It's because that allows the painter to buy an inferior, inexpensive brick, and he paints You're over. right. And I thought, well, that makes sense. But why is it always white? Why can't it be a, a, a darker blue or another color? And I'm sure in time it will. But right now they're all seem to be some shade of white. You know. They are. So. There's more white houses okay. come to think of it. But you know which ones I love? The ones with the stone outside. The ones with the beautiful oh, stones you and outside. I, I love those. Oh, you and I both. And I like the ones that are contemporary. So, you know, yeah. have some natural touch, touches. They're up to date. They look great. But they have a warmth to them that the, the, some of the newer ones don't. I mean, they look so cold mm. and sterile to me. But the ones that add the natural stone or wood or even a dark color, uh, I just think it looks more inviting. I can imagine having Christmas in a house like that. The others, I, I just it looks like a hotel to me. It's just my opinion. Well, but, well there's some mm-hmm. of them that look like a funeral homes, too, seriously. Yeah. 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 And they're really oh, awful. And then, and then there's that, the ones that, that are yellow and green and pink. <laughs> That reminds me of a funny story. I knew a designer that had a client that did not pay him the money that they were supposed to, and that designer got even by calling the funeral home and said, I want to redo your funeral home. I'll let you have everything it costs. And he did it in the (laughs) same way he did for that client. So that client's house looked like the local funeral home. (laughs) I thought that was very clever. (laughs) If they and they all do. So many of them look like funeral homes. And I'll pass by. Go like, it's almost like they should have a sign on there. So and so funeral is today. Oh God, <laughs> it's oh, awful. Oh well, times get tough. It might have to be that way. <laughs> so and then the funeral homes around here don't look like funeral homes. You would think they're houses. You have no idea. It's so so different. So how yes, did you sir. connect with so many publications at a home, and Tennessee magazines, and you wrote a book. Oh, I mean, I've always had a knack for that. I mean, uh, at one point in my life when I was an interior designer, I was paying lots of money trying to uh, get out there and ads and stuff like that. I never had, to be honest, I never had one ad that really paid off. I Mm. would work, I would call the magazine and say, I'm an interior designer, one of the world's leading 35 interior designers. Mm -hmm. If you'll let me write an article for you, then you can put an ad in your magazine for me. And that usually works because you know as well as I do, they have to fill those magazines up, and they'll have spaces left. And when they have spaces left, they still got to get something in them. So if you trade out or bargain with them where you write an article and they can put it in that space, that's a a win-win. You've got an article that promotes yourself, and then they fill their space. So. Uh, it's a lot better than coming up with the money to advertise. But it does give you notoriety, though, and, I, and I'm grateful for that because I think that's what led me in a different direction as I got older in my life because I'm already known as a designer. Now I'm taking a different direction and becoming an actor. And I do a podcast called Movies, Reviews, and More with mm. 15 million viewers. And just this last week, on the same day, I got photographed to be my home to be in uh, Williamsburg, well, not Williamsburg, excuse me, Williamson County Magazine, 
And then right mm. after that, I, I had to do a photo shoot where Movies and Review is doing an inter- international magazine that's going to be shown in Dubai, Great Britain, and uh, Hollywood's Red Carpet. So I had to make mm. photos for that, too. So I'm, I'm, I'm actually enjoying my life toward the end of it, last season of it, than I did when I – well, I did enjoy it when in the beginning, too. But I, I, I'm just having so much fun now because – I'm letting life take me where it, it, I'm not in a hurry to get anywhere. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And it just takes the pressure off of trying to get ahead, trying to get ahead, trying to get ahead. Now I just want to ride the ride. <laughs> I don't blame you. When I retired from teaching, and I had no choice because my mom was sick and I had to deal with her Medicaid and Medicare and home health aids, and I'm really good at that stuff, seriously. And, and getting home, you know, people to help her. And I said, what am I going to do? I was so bored, seriously bored. Mm-hmm. And it's not me to do nothing. And my sister said, you know, why don't you write a book? And I said, why don't you certainly be sorry you ever said that? So I wrote a book about growing up in the South Bronx with my sister. I thought she was going to kill me. <laughs> it was two stories growing up in the Bronx. And I just started to write books. And I'm saying... Then one day she said to me, why don't you review them? I go, no, how do you do that? I had no idea. And this lady mm-hmm. wrote, she's on Facebook, um, Martha Cheeves, she wrote a cookbook. And I wrote a cookbook, wrote a review about her cookbook, compared her to uh, Paula Dean and um, Emerald and whatever, and it was hilarious. And after that, I have no idea. It just zoomed. But you're right, because you can't sit around and you're not that you're like me. You can't sit around and do nothing. You have to do something that makes you happy and makes you want to keep going. And I'm going to keep going for the next 150 years. I've decided. And we're lucky people because we're creative people in a different way yeah. that we're both creative people. And it, it and it, and great minds think alike. And it's, it's like I can't sit and not create. If I'm not creating, I'm not living, you know. And I want to enjoy yeah. my life, you know. And if I can't do it for you, I'm going to do it for myself. That's why my house looks so great. (laughs) (laughs) I learned that a long time ago. My dad said, you don't have to please the rest of the world. You have to look in the mirror and please the person that's staring back at you. He said, and if you can be proud of who you are, then that's all that matters. Yeah, he made me tough. This is my my mom. My my father did. So when you write... When you write these articles, they're not just about fashion; they're about other things, and you know, interior design. What else do you write about? Uh, basically, that's it. I mean, it was all or antiques. There's, you know, my next love is, and maybe mm-hmm. even my first love is antiques. And yeah, the, me too. The thing I, the thing I love about antiques, especially like sterling, I have a lot of uh, sterlings and. The mm. utensils and stuff, if you know what they were intended to be used for, you can see the beauty of their design. People now don't have the, uh, what should I say, uh, class that they used to have or the knowledge that they used to have on what's mm-hmm. what in the uh, utensils to use in sterling. But if you look at them and you know a lemon fork from a tomato server from whatever, then you can see why it's designed that way. It has a certain weight and a certain feel. Uh, it, it feels right in your hand when you use it. And uh, that, to me, it's, it's so special because there's so many different things that you do, and if you understand what they're used for, you can see the beauty of the design. 
you know, where nowadays, you know, you get something and it's plastic or some inferior metal and uh, they, they're they just trying to make the best look they can, as cheap as they can. Well, before the 18, uh, 1840s, everything was made by hand. So no matter what you made, if it was a, uh, a pair of shoes or if it's a piece of silver or furniture or whatever, everybody took pride in what they made. And they put their heart and soul into it and, mm-hmm. and designed it the best they could so that you would buy their product over someone else's product. And it wasn't about how much money it cost. It was about how well it was made, you know. You know, I, I've noticed that, too. There's a lot of furniture, a lot of places that just use – it's almost as if things are being put together with, like, spit and glue. It's not the same. Well, they have. I mean, it's, they have. It's, it's even books. Even the books that I've been getting from some of the publishers, um, I think I read one about two months ago, and I said to the author, the book fell apart in my hand when I went well, to read it. Well, that's true. That's true, because the same thing about magazines, too. When I pick yeah. up a magazine, I want a slick, nice paper to fill. You know, I don't yeah. want a cheap cheap magazine or anything. I mean, if I'm going to spend, and magazines are what now, about $8 a book now? It's like, mm-hmm. if I'm going to spend $8, I want to have a nice book that I can keep around or pull, put away and then pull out another day and look at it again, you know. So I want to look at it more than once. So. And it's that's the same thing. Yeah, but, yeah, you're right, because even books, the, the print, the quality of the print, the, the book itself, it's just... Some of them I just toss aside, and I can't read that because the font is so small that they don't take any pride in how they're publishing the books anymore. Mm-hmm. That's true. It's it's all about the money now, how fast they can get it out, and how much they can get for it. But uh, I don't know. I miss I miss the days. The only thing I don't miss is my wife said you should have been in the uh, raised in the golden age. I said the only thing about that <laughs> no air conditioner. If they had air conditioning. Proper uh, toilets and stuff like that. I would have been happy then, <laughs> but you know. Mm. But they don't. They didn't have that. So, but anyway, it's 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 amazing because at any age, you know, I was talking to somebody about that the other day, and I went to have my hair done. My hair is blonde, but it's got um, purple, red, green, blue, and magenta highlights. No, I'm serious. Oh my god. Well, yes, I am definitely. Yes, I try not to look in the mirror too often. And no, it's really cool. <laughs> but this older guy walked over to me, my hairdresser, and he said, "Oh, you look like a movie actress." And I thought he was being a little facetious. And I just said, "Thank you for the compliment." Trying not to be rude. And my hairdresser said, "She writes books. She interviews famous people. She's got a famous designer on, or interior designer." Because I told him. He says, and she's writing another book, and she writes horror, and she's a reviewer. He says, oh, that's nice. He didn't get it. He didn't, and I just, it. No. He, didn't, he didn't quite get it. I go, like, whatever. And I was thinking of doing one with one of the other hosts to talk about age discrimination, uh, weight discrimination, mm-hmm. and all that, because I'm finding that I don't tell anybody my date of birth because I really don't know what it is because I don't really care. And <laughs> they, look, they look at you like, you know, they ask you something on the phone. I go, I don't know. And, you know, people treat you differently when they figure out how old you are. So I just make up something. makes me feel better. So well, you I, said Jody, my, my wife tells me not to say my age, but I, I want to say yeah, my she's age because right. I'm, 
I'm proud of my age, and I'm proud of the way I look at my age. You look age. much younger, yeah. and yeah. I look much younger. But when you get into, I walk into a pharmacy, and the girl says to me, "When's your birth date?" I go, I tell her the the date and the month, but not the year. She says, "Why won't uh-huh. you tell me the year?" I says, "Boys, basically, I don't know what it is. It's the truth. I don't." That's a whole mm-hmm. other mixed-up story, and she said, and then and they start to talk to you like 105. I went into mm-hmm. um, an urgent care for something, and the doctor looked at me. Do you understand what I'm saying? I said, you want to speak in another language? Maybe I'll understand better. I got really <laughs> in- insulted. And I looked at her. I said, it's not that difficult to do what I ask you to do, and you don't need to translate it into simple English. I'm a reading and writing specialist. It's what I did. I teach kids how to read that have learning disabilities. You get it? <laughs> she looked at me mm-hmm. like So. When you write a review, do you just write a review of a magazine, of a book, of an article, of a room? How do you decide what to write? Because that's my hardest Me? thing. Oh, you, you're yeah. talking about you. That's right. No, right. when you write, what type of reviews do you do? Uh, well, it's movies, reviews, and more. It's a, a podcast show that comes on every Tuesday night, and you can mm-hmm. catch it on Facebook, YouTube, and all social media. But we're we're not really writing a review. We're interviewing a person or persons. Yeah. It's usually more than one. And since it's called movies and review, we go with the spectrum mm-hmm. from we had um, God, William Shafter on the other day, which is a big star. Mm. But then we also had the person that invented uh, there's these stuffed animals that are part one like a shark pony. It's part pony, oh, cool. part shark. And uh, he was on like two weeks ago because they met him at the toy market. And it's taken off because uh, a lot of kids like they can use their imagination more if, if it's not a real animal because mm. it's, it's all in their head. And, and I think one thing, and this takes me a different direction, but I think one thing lacking in today's society on kids, we're all counting on these electronics to babysit our children. And we expect them to be busy doing something all the time, and they're not using their imagination. And their imagination is what makes them successful in life and envision what can be in the future. Uh, And usually when you're a child and you're bored, you create your own product. I mean, you use things, but you're using your imagination. Now they want the toys to do it for them, you know. I, I agree. Also, not only that, I find that my nephews spend a lot of time on their iPads, you know, they playing games and they stuff like that. Yeah, I know, I do. And I went into um, yesterday because my um, the girl in the, my ophthalmologist's office wanted books. I just come in and give people books, seriously. And she was so, I said to how's you, how's little Maya? I know she's in the fourth grade now. And she's drawing, illustrating, and she really is good. And I said to her, that's so fantastic. She said, I'm going to put her in an art class. I said, well, that's using your imagination and giving a past playing with toys and doing nothing. That's, so many mm-hmm. parents don't realize that music is, music is everything, art, interior design, everything. And that's the problem. You know, even in the school, there's like, oh, get, get, there, there's no creativity anymore. Nothing. No, and it needs to be. It needs to be. Actually, when I was young, I wanted to become an artist. And uh, mm. I remember one of the first things I did, and I think it was probably maybe seven or eight. I wasn't that young. But I drew a picture of Debbie Reynolds, and it was something on the cover of a magazine. And it was her mm. face. And it was so good that one of my mother's neighbors took it and hung it in her house. 
and and you know a face is one of the hardest things to draw. I had yeah. no training, and I could draw that at that age. Later in life, when I went to school and they're saying do this, do that, do that, I I kind of lost my interest to be at the artist because I wanted to do my own thing. I didn't want to follow the rules and do that. Just like uh, being an interior designer, I went to school and studied all the rules. But when you study all the rules, you know how to break the rules properly. <laughs> you know. And yeah, I know. Which, bring, which brings me up. I was I was planning to convert my garage into the most beautiful room mm. I've ever seen, uh, e- even in my house. And I was mm. breaking all the rules. I mean, I had no nothing that matched, no colors that match, no styles that match. And I've got it all built up. And if you go on my Facebook page, I used to have a little uh, booth at the antique mall, and you'll see uh, I have a fireplace and these contemporary lamps, but they kind of have a, a Chippendale style, but they're all mirrors. Mm. There's no wood frame on them at all. And contemporary art, it doesn't match the wall, doesn't match the trim, doesn't match the chairs. One chair's an aqua leather. The other one's an antique orange chair with a tapestry on it, and it all looks so beautiful. But I broke the rules, and it works. And I'm like, that's probably the way the future of design goes because I'm usually a lot of further ahead than anybody else, mm. but uh, it's going to get that way because, I mean, you think about it, we've been matchy-match for so long of a time, and uh, it's got to change. It's, it's You know, pendulum's going to switch eventually, but the thing is, I hope it does because it's going to go back to where you need somebody to help you do that. People just don't have enough nerve to uh, get out there and, and do their own thing, and I try to tell them design is like arranging flowers. There's really no mm-hmm. color. There's no color in the world that didn't go with anything. All colors go with everything. It's the way you <laughs> arrange them and you put them together. You're making your floral arrangement. So that's why I could do the room because I think of it like I'm doing flowers. That's a pretty color. That's a pretty color. Now let's arrange it and make it look like an, an arrangement, you know. Yeah, so. but, you know, I've, I've been to antique shows supposedly, Mm -hmm. and there used to Mm -hmm. be an antique place down the block from here. And I went in one day, and I said to the lady, you know, I looked around, and and I'm pretty good. My eye's pretty good, and I knew that the stuff wasn't real. I knew exactly that it wasn't real. And she said to me, you know, do you want this bracelet or whatever? And I looked around, and I was looking to see if there was anything that would be out of place that might look like a real antique. And Mm -hmm. there wasn't. There was nothing. I mean, and I've been to antique shows out on the island when my sister was alive. We used to go all the time. And the weirdest thing is, was there was a guy that was selling a topaz ring. And I said, how much is that? I, didn't, I just didn't even think to ask. He just said it was $5. And he said, I'll give it to you for 4 The ring was worth $300. Awesome. It was really, it was really a topaz. And it just mm-hmm. had a, a gold white gold band and my sister looked at me how did you know I said I don't know my mother was good like that I said I just I just knew and then there was another one that was um a, it was a garnet or a ruby that I paid a dollar fifty for in the flea market mm-hmm. and it was worth a lot more than that too it's like you you just know but you have the eye for that you could tell when you're walking into something you know what's what it's if it's an antique or not, they're not going to they're going to try not going to try to fool you. Although they try to a lot of times, they say, "Well, you know, it's really this thing is 500 years old, and you can tell it's brand new." 
Oh, yeah. Well, the other thing is they don't – usually they find things that a state sells and they don't mm-hmm. do their history on it, and they're basing yeah. it on what they paid for, which can work in your favor. It can work against you, too, yeah. because I've, I've seen them, you know, they'll research it, and they'll see a reproduction in a book, and they think they got the original, and they don't yeah, they have a reproduction of the original. It's not the same thing. Uh, so, they did. Uh, but when I was young, uh, my parents, I inherited a Cadillac that was two years old from a neighbor, mm. and I was 16 with a, a, a practically new Cadillac with hardly any miles on it. And my parents paid my insurance, I mean insurance and everything, but I had to buy my gas. I never had a job because I would just go shopping and find things and resell them at auction, and I would make money on them. I've always had that eye to know mm-hmm. What is valuable and what's not, even if I don't even know the story, because I shop around so much, I know mm-hmm. if it appeals to me, there's a reason why, you know. So. Well, that, that, that's amazing. It's ama- I mean, I couldn't walk in. I walked into a furniture store, and I just knew I wanted to get a, a recliner because I needed it for my back. And I, I, must have looked, I must have looked at about 50 in the store, and I said, like, I'm not going to just pick anything. It has to speak to me. It has to say what it has mm-hmm. to say. And I picked one, and I said, I didn't care if the colors weren't perfect because it was it's gorgeous, and it's so comfortable. You just put some, some you know, the, the furniture store got, looked at me. The lady looked at me, and I said, you know what? You don't need to help me. Let me just walk around and sit in every chair, and I'll let you know which one I want. Mm-hmm. I, I, I thought they were going to kill me. <laughs> no, they didn't. They just let me, yeah. And I okay, bought the good. chair. It was expensive. I picked the most expensive one, and I made them change the color of it because they didn't want blue. And mm-hmm. they, they just looked at me, and they said, well, you can come back any time because you have good taste. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I, the, most people walked in there after me and just said, I'll take that, I'll take that. I, and one lady said to me, what do you think of this? I said, why don't you look at all of them, take a piece of the swab and put it on the chair and see how you like it. I said, don't just pick it. It's it's expensive. You're not just buying anything. You're buying something that's worth something. They just looked at me like I was crazy. But what can I tell but you? But you are. You're looking at something you're going to look yeah. at every day. Yeah. For maybe the rest of your life or most of your life. Yeah. So let's have something that makes us happy and brings us joy and gives us pleasure. So if you walked into a store and you decided that you want to redecorate a whole room, where would you most likely go? What type of what furniture stores would be where you would actually buy something? Would you ever buy a whole room in one place? Or would you have to go to different oh, places no. to find the pieces? Oh, no, no way would I buy uh, everything from one place because then Good. it would look like that store. That would look yeah. like that store. I always tell people, well, I'll tell you my situation. I bought an antique chest that's in my entryway when my wife and I got married, the Bombay classic chest, which I've had for we've been buried almost 50 years now. So I've looked at it 50 years, and it was beautiful. But at that time, it was very expensive, and it's still very expensive. What's expensive is always going to be expensive. What is cheap is always going to be cheap. But I wanted to build something that I could play off of. Now, it's a French chest, and you think of that as going with a French style, but I have it mixed with uh, uh, a music box, a terracotta urns. Mm. I've, got, I've got a picture of Elton John and Elizabeth Taylor beside the chest on the floor. So I do things unexpected, not what you expect to see, 
but what you don't expect to see and use it in a different way. It's kind of like the stylists will take clothes and, you know, the, the girls are wearing the little baby doll dresses with the cowboy boots. Mm-hmm. You just, you mix up your season sometimes. You just get a, you get a more personal look if you just don't follow the rules all the way. And like I said, once you know the rules, you know how to break them. So, uh, but you got to have a rhyme to reason. You can't just do anything without knowing why you're doing it. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm different. And then a lot of people look at me and they're like, oh, you look different. I went into the eye doctor just to give the books, and this lady looked at me. She says, where did you get your Spaco sneakers? I said, Amazon? Because you can't, there's no shoes around here. Everything, of course, mm-hmm. the called pandemic or and whatever, everything's closed. She says, oh, they look so cute. I go, okay, whatever. They really are. They're mm-hmm. very comfortable in their white sparkle shoes. But how do you know, how does your wife feel about your color scheme? Does she Does she ever, do you have, did she ever say to you, what about this color or that color? Never. She's always let me do it. The house has always been mine as far as, far as what to do with it because I'm a professional. Mm-hmm. She knows it. Now, she's learned a lot by living with me. And yeah, now, now we can go into a store, and it's like I saw that first. No, I saw that first. <laughs> you know, because we're <laughs> going to see the same. We're we're alike now so much that you know, if something's out there, it's like who saw it first? No, that was my. No, I saw it. You know, because we're going to be gravitating toward the same thing. Because now we've lived together and been together so much, we've got the same taste. So it's it's uh, she'll she'll know it. You know, and. I can go somewhere and, like, it's my day off and she's working or something. I'll take my phone, I'll go antiquing, and I'll make pictures. And let's say I make 20 pictures. I know out of the 20 pictures she's going to say go back and get this one because I know I know her well enough and she knows me well enough. We know it's going to work. So it's, it's now, you know, she's part of it, but, but she's going to pick right, you know. <laughs> Well, I, I, so, I'm pretty good. But we're, we're only going to make it. We're only going to make it 26 years. You, you got me beat by a lot. <laughs> oh well, you, did you have a second marriage? Or was that was your first marriage? No, that's that. That was my second. My first one, oh, okay. we don't even talk about. Well, okay. you know, we, no, actually, I was married for 14 years, and I brought up his son, lived with us, and mm-hmm. was, I loved him. He was like my own kid. I didn't care. And just one day he looked at me and he said, I think he had a girl, I think he had a boyfriend. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I, you know what? I'm not that kind of person. And I just mm-hmm. said, okay. What bothered me was that his son kept bringing his friends over and I was having fun and all that stuff. And out of nowhere, I haven't seen him in like a very long time. He just disappeared. I said, you're welcome to keep the keys. When I lived in the Bronx, you could stay. You can bring your friends over because it was fun. And he mm-hmm. just said, he just disappeared. That hurt. Let me tell you. Mm. Yeah, because yeah. he should have known you as your mo- You were the only mother he knew, right? Yeah, well, his real mother was married to this monster. So he decided that he didn't want to live with his mother in this huge mansion somewhere and I said you know, I'm living in this little apartment in the Bronx and he would bring his friends over and they would I, I would come home from work so I worked three jobs and they would be cooking on my table with a boiler and I would go like where's my I didn't care and then it mm-hmm. would got so quiet <laughs> so I, 
But yeah, I'm gonna make it twenty six next month. Which is wow, awesome. You know, ours is December thirteenth. So. So when you focus on a room, you focus when you focus on a house. When you're doing a whole house, you focus on one room at a time, or do you just focus on? Is there a plan? No, it is one room at a time, and I usually say the ones that people see first, because. Nobody has to come mm-hmm. into the bedroom but you. So, But if you have someone coming over, they're going to see mm-hmm. your entryway, your living room, those yeah. or, the, or whatever you're going to take them to. That's where I want them to start off because that's the room that people see. The others, you can take your time and take however long you want to do it. But I also tell people a uh, common mistake that people do is, uh, well, back when we had housewives, which we really don't have too many housewives now, mm-hmm. you know, and you're living in the house, you'll say, oh, I don't like that bedspread anymore, and I don't like this over here, and I don't like that over there, and all these different rooms, and it gets on your nerves, and you want to change it. But what happens yeah. is you're spreading your money too thin. You're just putting a Band-Aid and never fixing anything. Because if you concentrated on one room and put all that money that you spent doing little things to other rooms, you could have that one room finished. And then that tells you the direction to go for the next room and so forth and so forth. So I always say always work big to little, and accessories come last even though they're the most fun. They come last. You do not start with them. Big to little and room to room, and it will always come out. And don't work on a budget. A budget is how much you have to spend at that moment. It's not to do the room. You can decide, I have, like, well, let's just take $10,000. $10,000 is not going to get you a room, no matter what room you do anymore. So mm-hmm. if you've got 10000 you spend it on the big pieces that you can, and what you mm-hmm. don't have to finish the room, you wait till you have more money, you know. So, so yeah, just take your time and do it. It's, it's expensive to do something, but if you want to do something, if you don't do it right, what's the point? And if you can spend the money well, you got to do the rest the of your room. Life. You, you got the rest of your life to do it, and it's expensive to make mistakes. Like I said, I have to I know. make mistakes. To me, that's expensive because so you, you get an inexpensive rug, it wears out five years, and it didn't take long for five years to go by, and you've got to get another one. And then you base things on that color, and now you don't have that color because those colors aren't available in the stores anymore, and you have to start all over again. So it's like uh, I usually use my inspiration on color from China uh, that you see on mm. the table, like Amari pieces or the uh, the bedroom I have is oriental colors, which are the primary reds, yellows, and blues mm. that have been around for centuries. So they're proven. They're already got their longevity tool. So that's my master bedroom. So I'll take it from something that's beautiful from the past and use those colors rather than what's popular in the present. So when someone asks you to redecorate their house, do they say to you, I want these colors or that colors, or do they give you the oh, right to decide no. what you think it should be because that's not going to help if they, you know, I've walked into houses where unfortunately you're walking right into the kitchen and that's kind of mm-hmm. like, that's an odd kind of thing. Or you're walking mm-hmm. in and you have to walk up to the dining room or whatever and it's kind mm-hmm. of like, why didn't you remove those steps? It would have been better. 
So mm-hmm. how do you decide? Is there ever a time where you tell the person? I mean, I watched uh, Drew and and whatever his name is here from um, when they do the stuff on uh, on on TNT, and um, mm-hmm. I, sometimes I wonder sometimes about their taste, and sometimes I wonder how did they pick that, and then they I have you, you know. I got two stories on that. Uh, one, when a person yeah. hires me, I explain why I'm doing everything. So, no, they do not tell me any color to pick or anything because I, yeah, I, I am the master of color. I am the master of color. I know what I'm doing and I know what I'm trying to achieve. So, no, that's never happened to me. But, uh, but as far as TV goes, because I know a lot of those TV people, and my wife yeah. actually banded me from watching HTV because I just get mad. Because actually the way that works, those people sign a contract, and they pay to get on those shows. And you enter so. to do it. And they say, like, I've got 30000 and I want to renovate my house, which doesn't go very far. And they'll do what they need. They'll do what they want to do for 30000 not what you want them to do for 30000 and they won't do. They won't touch the driveway. They won't touch anything that's not shown on the TV set. And uh, mm-hmm. so they're doing a partial renovation because they're going for a look that they want to present on TV. Like you like it or not, but you got to say you like it because you're on TV. A lot of times, if you look at those finished products, you're watching a show for 30 minutes, and then you got what probably. Less than a minute to really look at the final picture at the end. Well, yeah. it's a pretty picture. It's the best angle of the room. It's lit by a camera. It's it's taken at its best angle. If you actually study those pictures, lots of times there's no lamp. There's no over. Uh, there's nothing that makes the room look livable as far as that goes. And it's like you're just judging a pretty picture. That's all you're looking at, you know. And then you're, well, the you're pal- you know. You do look they at the pay space for property brothers when they when do oh, when they do it? Yeah. Do they pay yes, for that? Yes, do the yes. people pay for that? Yes. Right. Yes, they pay for that. They absolutely do pay for that. They sign contracts to that. God. I mean, all of them. All of them do. So uh, yes, yes. You have to enter to do it, but you do it. But like I said, you're gonna you'll still benefit because they're getting stuff at cost or donated when they do those things from the manufacturers mm-hmm. to do it. So you're going to have a lot of product for your money, but it's not going to be the way you wanted it to be. Yeah, I know. Like they make it out to be. You'll probably have to go and change it. I mean, I know a lot of like curb appeal and things like that. They don't even plant the flowers. They just put them in there and mulch it or they'll tie flowers on the tree. They want the picture to be pretty when it's done. They're not actually doing it. They're just wanting to show you what it could be like, you know. I know, I see at the end of the shows, and then the people, they must rehearse this, and they go, oh, so gorgeous, it's beautiful, and they go, you know, whatever, and then Drew and the the other one, they leave, and I wonder what they really sang, (laughs) because they're they're outside, they're whatever, they think the house is beautiful, and I'm wondering, like, do they really think that it's it's really that wonderful? Can they really tell if it's really wonderful? They could could have a real live couple. And do all that renovation, and they say, "Oh, I don't yeah. like it." I mean, that would—who would watch a show if they said that? You know. I know. You know, so, so they have what, to say that. That's part of the contract. You know. I know. So, what's next for you? What are you up to? What's your next project? 
Well, my next project, I'm going to make a movie called Who's Going to Take Care of Me, and it's in Hollywood. And it's got <laughs> Catherine, it's got Al Pacino's mother-in-law, Catherine Pacino, and it's oh, got nice. uh, uh, Robin Williams. Remember Robin Williams, the uh, entertainer back in Cher's yeah. time and songwriter and all that? He's in the movie. You wouldn't recognize him now, but he's in the movie. And uh, Marvin Gaye's niece is in the movie, and I played the emergency doctor in that movie. So that's my next thing. I'm hoping to be going out to Hollywood sometime this summer to finish that and to, or to do that. And then wherever life takes me, I've, uh, the movies and reviews, I've, I've got another producer that's – remember the old Twilight Zone episodes? Uh-huh. I, he has me in mind for a Twilight Zone episode. It's a TV version. It's a one-time thing, but there will be this major star that I can't tell you the name of that will uh, be playing, because that's kind of like the Twilight Zone. They had an episode, you had a really major star, and then everybody played off of them, and that's he's doing something like that. I can't tell you that exactly sounds like what fun. I know. I love you know, the they should take Zone. They should take my book, Accusations, and do that, because somebody compared it to Stephen King and the Twilight Zone. And I was like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, yeah it's scary. Scary is good, but thank you so much. This has been fun. But for those of you that don't know, Tuesday, I have one show next week. I canceled the other. No, they didn't make more than one. On Tuesday, New York Times author, I was so honored, Richard North Patterson's new book is called Trial. He hasn't written a book in 12 years, and he asked if I would do the interview to be the first interview with the brand-new book. It's excellent. So I am oh, totally awesome. honored. Yeah, it is. It's it's. I You know something? Now, um, this has been so much fun because I didn't have to read a book, <laughs> and I could actually—I yeah, could actually learn learn something. So I'll be more just as a matter of fact. Before I buy anything, I think I'll snap a picture so you can tell me what it, whether I should do it or not. Okay, that's fine. We're friends. I, it, I, when I did that interview with you a long time ago, I still have yeah. it and I still read it, and I love your style. And you're so well. I'm going to send you the link. For, I'm going to send you the link for this. Did you write a book that I didn't read, or is it on my on my just reviews and I just don't know it? Well, years and years and years ago, when I wrote uh, comments, I got it. Oh, what were you thinking? Recognizing costly mistakes that everybody. Made. I think I have that. Yeah, I'm going to I look. I'm, I'm on my. But, I, I think but, I pretty much that read is, that. That that's one of the books that I put my heart and soul in, but we kind of self-published mm. it, and and I really didn't have a photographer. I really need to do it upright if I ever wanted to do it again. I've kept one for my kids in case my grandkids in case one of them goes that direction, that they could probably do it a better way. But uh, it does work. I mean, everything I say, I've tried and done all my life, and, and believe me, it works. You know. Well, see, that's because you have a good eye and you're great. But thank you mm-hmm. so much. And if you ever want to do this again, if you, when your new project comes out with your movie, it would be really cool to talk about it. That would really I be different. To. I love So every, everybody, stay in, if you're up here, stay inside because the air quality is not so great. And, Howard, thank you so much. Everybody stay safe and bye. Bye-bye. Thank you, friend.